0: Welcome to JFC Church Sunday morning sermon. I'm so glad that you get to hear this, whether um, it's uh, on the YouTube channel or on our podcast. Uh, I, we're blessed uh, to have you, and I believe and I pray that this word will remain with you, that it will transform you. So in the past few weeks, we've been talking about the idea of giving, talking about the heart of giving. And uh, the verse that we started from was James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with him there is no variation or shadow due to, change. Due, to due to due to change sorry about that and uh, the idea is that every good gift anything that's good in our lives came from him and and he's so generous our father is so generous that he's given everything that you see in this world it came out of his nature so he wants the same attitude the same heart and the same kind of um, Giving to continue through us as his children. And that's what we've been trying to learn in the past few weeks. Last week specifically, we talked about the attitude of giving. We talked about God really cares about your motivation and, and your, why you're giving when you're giving than how much you're giving. So we talked about a few things to consider when we are giving. If you haven't watched that or heard that, I encourage you to go back. Uh, it will bless your soul. And today, uh, we're going to talk about specifically about uh, money. We're going to be talking about money. And uh, the title of today's message is uh, Principles of Money or the Biblical Principles of Money. We're going to look at the, the Word of God and a few things from it, how we can learn about giving from it. If we can just pray quickly before we go, that would be great. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to humble us, to speak to us, and to transform our minds and change our hearts through his word. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to speak your word and, and for the community of believers that are listening to this and watching this. I pray that you bless us. I pray that this word will remain with us and transform our minds and our, our attitudes. We honor you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is a, a teaching that I try to do every now and then. Uh, Just to remind us of what kind of uh, uh, principles or teachings are in the Bible when it comes to money. Uh, The reason we need to talk about money is because Jesus talked about money a lot. In fact, uh, some biblical scholars say uh, Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell. And we always talk about heaven and hell in the church. Uh, At least we used to and I hope we we continue to do that. Uh, But we speak less about money. So there needs to be... uh, biblical true biblical teachings uh about money uh we need to learn about it i'm sorry um, not only that not only that i think um sometimes we expose ourselves to traditions and ideas and teachings that be contrary to the word of god and we find ourselves being in a difficult position when it comes to our relationship with god money has a huge part of our lives uh, whether you have it or you don't have it it impacts your life if you don't have it you're always thinking about it. If you have it, you're always thinking about it. So, what does the Word of God say? What are some of the principles the Word of God teaches us about the idea of money? Um, within the church, sometimes you find two extreme ideas. Some people looking at money as, as this evil uh, thing that needs to be controlled, that needs to be um, shunned away from. Or, on, on the other hand, um, we see uh, a lot of believers also just indulging themselves in the idea of money and the idea of just living loving it and and just trying to live for it i think uh, the biblical idea of money is it's the means to do god's will it's not bad by itself and it's not good by itself but our attitude and how we see it it really determines how we can use it as as we use fire and fire can be good or bad money is the same thing it just depends who is holding it And it is better to learn biblical principles about money when you don't have it than after you have it. So uh, I hope if you have a lot of money, this principle will change your mind. If you don't have money, this principle will get you ready uh, how to handle it in the time when you are uh, wealthy or have uh, money to handle. So we're going to look at seven specific principles quickly today from the Word of God. And um, I hope you take notes. Just allow the Holy Spirit just to um, um change your mind and areas where you felt like uh, you were wrong before this uh, point number one uh, the bible teaches us over and over again love god not money do not love money but love god a lot of times we hear the word uh, money is evil but the bible literally says the love of money is the root of all evil so loving money brings a lot of issues in our lives a lot of bad attitudes in our lives the bible does not encourage us not only encourage us forbids us from falling in love with money but with falling in love with god when your heart is captured with the love of god the any amount of money that comes into your hand will not change you because your heart is being occupied by the love of jesus in matthew chapter 6 verse 24 jesus said this powerful thing he said No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, You cannot serve both God and money. I think this is the closest thing that he found that you find Jesus speaking that can actually be powerful enough to take us away. From God to take us away from loving God. He said you cannot love two masters. Jesus made money as a master, it rules you, it controls you, it makes you devoted to it. It it, it detects your life. He says you cannot serve both money and God. You have to choose whom you are going to serve and the one you are going to serve is the one you love the most because it says when you try to serve both masters you're gonna love one one of them and you're gonna hate the other one so you have to choose which one is going to be your master so if you think loving God love God is uh, the one worthy of your love just make him the only master in your life do not bring any competition so the bible reminds us the power of money in fact here the context uh, you cannot serve both God and money is money is mammoth which means a God of wealth in those ages it's a, a Greek God that people worshiped as being a God of wealth a God of money and he said it is a spirit it is a spirit you can't just worship God and at the same time fall in love with money and expect to continue to love both one of them is going to win so Love God, not money. On Matthew chapter 19, verse 21 to 24, Jesus continues to showcase the power of money in people's lives. When it comes to our relationship with God and whom we love the most. This story is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Because a young man came to Jesus and he asked him, what should I do to keep the law of God? And um, Jesus told him, you know the law, do not kill, do not do that. You know all the laws of the Old Testament, keep those. And he said, I've done those since I was young. And, and most, most probably this guy, this young man was devoted in the ways of the Lord that he obeyed these things. Because the Bible says Jesus loved him. Jesus liked him. Look at this guy. He's passionate. And he will ask him something more. Then when he said, I've done all this, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect though, Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's excuse me, it's easier, it's easier for a camel to go through the ice of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's giving us the promise of what's yet to come. The power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit that can snatch us away from the love of money. But this young man, just think about this young man, loving God, obeying God in, in all aspects of his life, But one thing when Jesus said, hey, leave everything, give it to the poor and follow me. I just want you to think right here. This is the only person aside from the 12 disciples that Jesus asked to follow him. So a lot of Bible scholars also believe that this could have been the replacement for Judas. Because he was invited to join to follow Jesus. Sometimes when people were really touched and healed, when they asked Jesus to follow him, he will tell them no. You can't follow me. But this guy got that invitation. But the only thing that hindered him from following Christ fully was the fact that he had great wealth and he loved his money more than he loved his God. So I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now just just to show you, Lord... What, 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 are my, what are my dreams? What do I think about all the time? Whether you have it or you don't have it, is it taking you away from God? Are you making decisions only based on money, even when you know it's contrary to God as well? If you find yourself, you're doing, doing something that you're not supposed to do, you're hating somebody, you're not supposed to hate solely because of money. It is time to think that the love of God is what God has called you. To lead your life, so love God, not money. Number two, pursue God and His kingdom, not money. So God gives us a purpose. The purpose of life is not the is not the pursuit of money. It's not even the pursuit of happiness, um, but it's the pursuit of God. It's seeking God. The Bible says the Bible says seek God and His kingdom, and all this will be added to you. Who are you seeking after? Who are you running after? This is really important, by the way, because both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see people being entangled and and falling down because their 100% focus is how to get rich, how to get rich. And the Bible teaches us your focus shouldn't have to be how to get rich, but how to know God. And part of that, we'll we'll talk about that, Might, might include having wealth, but the pursuit of wealth cannot be the purpose of your life. The pursuit of wealth cannot be the purpose of anybody's life. I know this is how the world thinks, do whatever you can. Um, get rich or die trying. This is the principle the world teaches you. This is how we re- we were raised. We hear this all the time. Do whatever it takes, short of sin, to get rich. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. No, no, no. Do whatever it takes to pursue God. And if there is anything on that pursuit that contrasts contrast from God or tries to um, hinder you from God, pushes away. You pursue. Uh, you pursue has to be God. And money and wealth should be the one that's following you as you follow the principles of God. Proverbs, in Proverbs 23, verse 4 to 5, do not wear yourself out to get rich. It says, do not trust your own cleverness. Cast out a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. He said, look at the rich like you know, you see somebody rich today, it will be gone. So don't don't make that the uh, the goal of your life. Don't make that the highest of the height of your life. Make God that goal. Make God that that height in your life that you are pursuing Him with everything you have. Even if you are worthy, that's not your your everything. Your everything will be God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the New Testament, Paul talks about when he was giving advice to Timothy. To speak to other rich people in the, uh, how to live. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 12. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take nothing from it or out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this. Listen, it says flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your, your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He reminds him, he reminds Timothy, hey many have wandered of the faith because they were so blinded with the love of money and the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil but you young man but you do not pursue that do not pursue that pursue the spiritual virtues pursue the eternal life pursue christ fall in love with god continue to do that Don't make that the goal of your life. Don't make that the the target of where you're heading. Let Christ be that, that target. We'll talk about contentment. He mentioned it a little bit right here. Number three, trust God, not money. You know, when you don't have money, a lot of people are able to trust God. It's easy to trust God when you don't have money because Uh, You don't have options. You're like, no, God, I have nothing. I got nobody. I'm going to trust in you. I know you're the Jehovah Jireh. You sing all Jehovah Jireh songs. You trust in the Lord. You confess. You speak against poverty. You just continue to trust in him. And he comes through like, wow, you're amazing. My faith has increased. And then when it's your season change, you have many on your banks for everything. Your heart trusts on that money. And how much it grows and how much it goes down determines the level of your anxiety. Here, the Bible teaches us not to put our trust in money, not to put our trust in our bank accounts, but to put our trust in the Lord. And as I said, this is a principle. This is the way we should think. This is the way we should live our life. In Ecclesiastes, sorry, in Proverbs chapter eleven verse twenty-eight. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous shall flourish as the green leaf. It says the, the righteous is like a tree planted by the stream. The change in the season is not affected, but its root is attached to the stream that is flowing right next to it. So your trust should not be in the season that you're in, but in the roots you're established in and that is god himself trust in the lord trust in the lord trusting in the lord is not when we don't have option trusting in the lord is even when we have options there are times in the old testament all these kings will have these alliances that they created for a time of war and sometimes when war comes they're not afraid because they were like oh, man i have another kingdom that's going to back me up and I can win this. And you will see God continue reminding them, do not trust in, in so and so kingdom. Trust in me. Trust in me. So some kings will choose to trust those kingdoms rather than trusting God. And you see them suffering at the end. But you also find some good kings, even though they have these alliances, relationships with other nations and powerful countries They will trust in the Lord and they will do what God is asking them to do and you see them being victorious. So trust is not when we don't have option. Trust is a virtue of at all times. I know trust is a tricky thing because it's a process. And and it almost feels like one day you will have it. The next thing, in different situation, you lose it. And then you picked it up. It's a lesson that continually being taught to us. But I hope you don't get out of this lesson. And we'll continue to grow in trusting the Lord. Because he is trustworthy. Because he is worthy of our trust. Number four. Be satisfied with God, not money. Be satisfied with God, not with money in ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 whoever loves money never has enough whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income this too is meaningless solomon says whoever loves money never has enough the satisfaction does not come because you have money satisfaction comes from the lord wealthy people are always trying to get wealthy and, and, and people who don't have money are always trying to get money. But the Bible says, put your satisfaction in the Lord. He's not telling us not to work, not to get money, but he's telling us to put our satisfaction in the Lord. Are you satisfied in your relationship with God? Are we satisfied in the way that we relate to him? Are we satisfied with the blessing that he gave us? Because you can never be satisfied. The desire of men can never be satisfied. That idea, if I only have this much money, I will be happy is an illusion. If I only can make this much a month, I will be satisfied is an illusion. Here is a fact. The more your income increases, so does your expense, so does your desire, so does your um, quality of choice also increases. So... Don't have this uh, illusion that you will be satisfied with certain amount of money. Real satisfaction comes from having this relationship with God and living for him. And that should quench the hunger and the thirst of our soul. Number five, hope in God, not money. Hope in God, not in money. Put your hopes in the Lord. Trust is about Now. Hope is about your future. Put your future in the Lord. The Bible teaches us to be diligent with what we have. Hopefully we'll talk about it um, next week. The Bible teaches us uh, to be hard workers. The Bible teaches us to save, to invest, and all that kind of stuff for our future. The Bible does not tell us to be blind about our future. But you know, money can be taken away with for so many reasons so many things can happen and it can be gone away You can't you can't put your hope and your wealth and your money you have to put your hope in the lord the bible says do not put your treasure on earth where there is moth that will destroy it but he said put your treasure in heaven so the idea is in heaven when you put your treasure when you put your investment when you put your Hope in the Lord, then nothing would happen because it is God whom you put your hopes in genuinely. In First Timothy chapter six, this is from the same chapter earlier. After he talked to him how, after he talked to him how he should live, um, in regarding to money, now he give them advice how to instruct others, how to handle the wealth they had. First Timothy chapter six. Verse 17 to 19, he says, and instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of of a good foundation for the future, so that they may be they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So here Paul says, instruct the rich and the present in the world right now, not to be conceited, not to fix their entire hope, not to fix their hope. In the uncertainty of riches but rather to be generous to think about god and to put their hopes in the lord and to put treasures and the foundations that cannot be shaken for their future not only here on earth but as the stewards in heaven as well he says make sure you teach the wealthy among you to keep their hope in the lord and in the lord alone it is hard to put your hope in the lord when you have the money in your account this also requires a shift of heart and a change of mind that we believe that god is the provider of everything that we need not our hand not our wealth not everything that we possess but god himself number six learn to be content learn to be content another principle is contentment. One of the most famous verses in the Bible in Philippians chapter 4 is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've said this before as well. This verse is not about being able to do great things in the future. It's not about trying to achieve more in our lives. We see a lot of us quoting this verse saying, "Hey, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do whatever I want. I can do more. I can earn more." But the Bible in the principle in this verse is actually about being content. It's about being content. Philippians chapter 4 from the first verse 10 to 13. Let's read it in context. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me the strength. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All these things which is being content. I know how to live being in need. I know how to live being in hungry or being fed. I know how to live having plenty uh, or having a want. I know how to live in all this because I learned to be content. I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. God gives me the strength to be content in whatever situation that I have. So if you've quoted this verse before, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's about being content where you are. My emotions and my... My, uh, my heart is not going to fall because I have this much or I don't have this. I can be content. I can figure out how to live in this because Christ gives me the strength to be content. Contentment is wisdom. Contentment is a process. Contentment is a learned behavior. As he mentions this, I have learned. You're not going to be content overnight. It requires a change of heart transformation of mind and you can learn to be content the law will give you the strength to be content contentment really saves us from unnecessary fights unnecessary emotional turmoil i love people who are content contentment is not um, laziness contentment is not um, uh, settling for less contentment is being okay whatever whatever circumstance they're in Whatever situation that you're put in, you know your hope is in the Lord. You know your trust is in the Lord. You know your love is God. You know God is whom you pursue. And all these things makes you feel like, man, this is not the end. No, this is not not the most important thing. I have something better. I'm content to be here as long as God is happy. As long as I'm with the Lord. I am content. I've learned to be content in every circumstances through Christ who gives me strength. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May God give you that desire. If we can go to Proverbs chapter ten verse four, I know we're reading a lot of verses because we're talking about principles today. Proverbs ten four: Lazy hand make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Ephesians chapter four verse 8. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So, work hard so you can give more. Work hard so you can be generous is the seventh principle. What I meant here is, contentment is not a stage for laziness. The Bible says, lazy hands makes makes for poverty, and diligent hands bring us wealth. In Ephesians, Paul speaks something very prof- profound in a small verse. If anyone has been stealing, let him not steal no more. And then he says, let him work with his hands. It's not so he can just stop stealing, so he can have some to give to others in need. God wants us not only to have enough for ourselves, he wants us to have enough so we can give to others so i know this almost feels like a contradiction with contentment no this one is not a need for me this one is a need for generosity i'm content in whatever circumstance i am is what paul is saying but i'm also encouraging you to work hard so you can have more so you can give to those who are in need blessed be the name of the lord So what am I saying today? I think the uh, the Bible is the best place to change our mind and, and, and attitude when it comes to money. And there are a few principles in the word of God that can change us, that can impact us, that can shift the way we think about money. So we said God is calling us to love him, not to love money. God is calling us not only to love him, God is calling us to pursue him not to pursue money. He's calling us to put our trust in Him, not in what we have or what we don't have. God is teaching us to be, or speaking to us, to be satisfied in who He is, to be satisfied, to find our satisfaction in Him and being in His presence and in knowing Him, than in wealth and money. God is teaching us to put our hope for our future in Him, not in money. He wants us to be content in whatever circumstance that we are in. Because He's there to give us the strength to be content. But He also wants us to have the attitude of having more. So we might be able to give more. Let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to seal this word in our hearts. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have benefited. If you want to let us know that you're listening or you want to connect with us. You can find us on Instagram at gfc.church. I hope you will have a wonderful week. Stay blessed.